brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss. So become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. The power of Christ compels you, people. How you doing out there from sunny San Diego? I'm Greg Carlwood, just trying to keep my head on straight in a world possessed. And I'm sure many of you feel the same. It's hard to find a time more conspiratorially potent than our own, as 2020 seemed to be the all-systems-go signal the nefarious nexus we call the Capstone Cabal was waiting for to unleash a torrent of terror and technocratic control on this planet's people. We watched pandemic fear porn and grossly inflated models of infection drive everyone into their homes, cause businesses to close, and eliminate gatherings in one fell swoop. We saw cable media companies spread lies and social media companies cover up truth. And then like clockwork, just as people were starting to second-guess the real risk of a looming virus, a new gross example of police brutality and a long legacy of such behavior was hammered into us over and over driving a new wave of civil unrest and social outrage that, while completely justified, seems to be propelled by something a little less than organic. Now, on top of mandatory masks, Big Daddy has given us curfews, and the contact tracing technology that was supposed to be for tracking a virus is suddenly tracking contact with protesters and system resistors. You will stay inside one way or another, seems to be the message. A message I hope we can dismantle today because as hard as the machine's machinations can be to decode when you're in them, many of the cards held by the oily appendages of the planet's puppet masters have been speculated about for quite some time. And few people know this as well as today's returning guest, Dr. Joseph P. Farrell. He's an Oxford scholar who's been here many times before, dishing out the deep history, secret science, and conspiratorial themes tackled in his wide range of books. From the Cosmic War and the Giza Death Star series to Babylon's Banksters, Nazi International, and Transhumanism, a Grimoire of Alchemical Agendas, all of which and more can be found at GizaDeathStar.com. He's written about nearly everything THC fans hold sacred, has given us some of our best shows, and I can think of no one better to help us parse the predetermined playbook of our times. Joseph P. Farrell, welcome back to the higher side. 
<laughs> well, thanks, Greg. After after that summary of events, I don't know that I will improve on it. I, <laughs> I I'm wholeheartedly agreed with with most of what you said, trying to outline what's been going on with all this. But anyway, thank you. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. And thanks for doing this. I always enjoy your perspective on things, and your books are excellent. So often in our previous interviews, we barely get into current events because we take such a deep dive into your latest release, and they're always coming out. And again, you have a new book out, this one called The Tower of Babel Moment, which does look as interesting as ever. But today, I guess we're going to flip the script and put current events in front and center because just too much is happening. Yeah. So much more than even when we scheduled this. It was all about the pandemic, and now we're dealing with a whole new can of worms as civil unrest is boiling over, curfews are set, and the president is threatening military force domestically. I guess let's work backwards, and uh, let me ask you how you've been processing what we've seen since the George Floyd death video was released to the public and chaos has ensued for the last five, six days. Uh, well, um, I, I don't know where to begin. This this whole civil unrest thing, you know, leaving aside Mr. Floyd's totally unjustified treatment, in my opinion, at, at the hands of, of the Minneapolis police, we need to look at this, I think, quite genuinely as an op. Because, to me, it's not coincidental that this whole thing started right when the the Flynn report was declassified and so on and so forth. So they've managed to take something off of the news and they've managed to once again tie the Trump administration down, you know, in responses to things. And I'm hearing reports and, and you've no doubt seen some of these stories too about the connections between the officer that killed Mr. Floyd and the place where they both worked, and now we're hearing stories about counterfeit bills being passed and so on. I don't know that any of that's true. But one thing does strike me. You look at this civil unrest, and there is an obvious element of planning behind it. We are seeing pallets of bricks showing up in cities at places where apparently there's no construction. Yes. Uh, you know, we're seeing we're seeing organized um participation, agence provocateur, you know, this began in Minneapolis with the cop that threw the brick through the AutoZone store, and it turns out that he was a cop. So, you know, they're, they're deliberately trying to provoke something here. And again, I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. I think there's too many people already that are challenging this whole story. So to me, the whole thing is, is part of the pandemic now civil unrest op. And the way I'm looking at it, Greg, is is the pandemic thing was 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 something designed to accomplish several objectives at the same time. It looks to me like it's it's an op of Mr. Globaloni, as I like to call him, hmm. and that it had several objectives. Number one was to exhibit China as an untrustworthy partner. In other words, it was designed in part to derail their Silk Road project. It was designed to isolate Xi's government. Uh, there was news coming out of, out of China that there were factions within the Chinese Communist Party, as there always are in that sort of uh, radical totalitarian ideology trying to depose Mr. Xi. Uh, so I think that was part of the op. I think part of the op was obviously designed to to uh, 
cripple or, or curtail the Trump administration right in the middle of, you know, the, the, the narrative about General Flynn and some of the other shenanigans that were going on in the Obama Justice Department coming out so that it had that objective. Part of the op was designed to get everybody stampeded into fear and clamoring for the bail and malicious Gates Foundation, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. uh, to get to get everybody on the vaccine um on the vaccine bandwagon, the contact tracing and everything else, you know, and we saw what they did with, with what the media did with the hydroxychloroquine drug, which now turns out leaders have been taking as a prophylactic. Well, if you're taking that drug as a prophylactic to prevent getting the virus, why do you need a vaccine? You know, (laughs) so, so the story looks to me like it's, it's all been engineered and, and, Part of this this civil unrest, quite frankly, Greg, strikes me as 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 a response to the fact that the the whole coronavirus narrative is and was beginning to fizzle right about the time this occurred. So there's every every indication in my suspicion meter is pointing to this whole civil unrest thing as being yet another desperation move on the part of these people. Mm-hmm. Yes, well said. It seems like when one side wants to talk about something, the response is always to just yell louder about something else and yep. <laughs> use all their channels to do that. Yep. And it is hard to see clearly in the eye of the storm, especially with something so emotional, because when I first saw the George Floyd video, I was as sickened as anyone. Well, it's outrageous. You know, yes. it, it, it was designed to make people, you know, be outraged. And, and well, they should be, <laughs> you know, because... This sort of st- uh, of police state tactic and, and training, you know, this is this is the stuff that the Israeli Defense Force trains its people in. So, and it's interesting to me, there are stories coming out now that the, some of the training of these Minneapolis cops was precisely done that way. So, you know, it was designed to get people outraged, and that was the first uh, blip on my suspicion meter. You know, why do we have all of these people there able to film it? And nobody's lifting a hand to help Mr. Floyd, you know, and then they put him on the gurney, and there's no attempt to give him CPR or anything like that. There's no attempt to help him. So, you know, it, it, it smacks of, of something. And, and given, given the stories that are coming out, again, I don't know how true they are, Greg. I have not had time to research them. But I mentioned the fact that, that we've got these stories coming out now that apparently both the cop and Mr. Floyd knew each other. They had worked at the same place. The place itself appears to have odd sorts of connections that may indicate that it may have been some sort of intelligence front. Right. So we don't know. You know, we don't know what's going on here yet. But the reason I mentioned these stories coming out now is we're watching what has happened so many times in the past with these types of events. We're watching the narrative begin to unravel right in front of our eyes. And I suspect eventually we're going to hear a lot more uh, about this particular story and that, again, it's, it's, it's going to fizzle. Right. That is a great summary of what I find fishy about this also. It seems like every month a person is killed by overzealous police, sadly. So why is this one the catalyst for marches on every city? Right. Maybe enough really is just enough. But I also did read 
about that bar dance club they both worked at being a three-letter agency front for money laundering. Right. And when the legitimate business stopped because of COVID lockdowns, it would look pretty suspicious to keep making bank deposits. And George Floyd ended up just spending the counterfeit money that they were laundering, raising suspicions, and they took him out for exposing that operation. And that's interesting. Again, pretty unverified. Right. I got to let the dust settle on this thing. Right. But as you said, the bricks that we've seen set up a bunch of times, I've also seen quote unquote looters wearing earpieces. It's like I am on the side of anyone standing up for systematic injustice, but it's way too convenient that as soon as people were grumbling about being on lockdown, places were starting to open up despite what the risks might be. And then, bam, everybody back inside curfews and scary mobs. But it is funny just how quickly the virus protocols went away in all of this, too. It doesn't seem to be as scary as it was a week ago. It's just on to the next thing. Well, that's that's precisely the problem. This is this is the conceptual link that links it in my mind is that this is another attempt to to inject fear and panic into society. And when that happens. What you do is you shut down people's ability to make decisions. You, you make, you know, you leave them cowering in their homes, which, you know, I'll be frank with you, Greg, since this whole, since this whole wear a mask thing and all of that began, I, I, I've just flatly refused to wear masks. Mm. Uh, and if I do wear a mask, uh, it's going to be one of those masks that says flatten the lies. Uh, because for one thing, the mask really isn't adding any protective measure. The virus thrives in an oxygen poor state. So while you may justify wearing a mask as preventing the spread of it to others, you're hurting yourself. And it, it just, it just is, is I think a bit of social engineering on their part to identify who does and who doesn't wear masks. You know, it's, it's, it's really come down to that. The, this, this whole thing smacked to me from the get-go of a social engineering experiment where they were trying to test what the inflection points in society were. And in that respect, it's worked like a charm. But fear is the uniting factor here with both of these things. And, and I think the sooner that people wake up to it, the better. And I'll tell you something else. I was listening just before you called. Uh, I was listening to a local uh, radio talk show here. We've had some minor protests here and some minor Conference. I don't, I don't want to give out where I live, but we've had some minor confrontations between some protesters and, and the police here, which where I live is just, you know, unheard of. But one thing that was very interesting, the police chief here got on, on the radio and said that we have arrested some people and some people appear to be out of state actors. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the narrative is unraveling here, even locally. So something is going on there. You know, this is being used as Mr. Globaloni always does as a crisis of opportunity. And that's not to take away the fact that we have a man dead who should not be dead. Right. You know, this, this, this is the bottom line here, but hopefully this will focus some, some new attention on why the police forces in this country seem to have been militarized in the last 20 years. And, you know, let's find out when that began and who was responsible for it. Mm -hmm. Cheers to that. And my favorite mask that I've seen so far is make 1984 fiction again. Yeah. Which is a good one. And as you said, the police are militarized and 
despite the police having them, we haven't seen too many examples of exotic crowd control weaponry being used, except for possibly the other night in Washington, D.C. So firstly, we have the president tweeting that if protesters were to breach the White House barricade, they'd be met with vicious dogs and ominous weapons. Then the very next night, people did breach the White House barricade. And there's a lot of talk about some type of EMP being released. People heard a strange, loud popcorn popping sound. Mm -hmm. Their phones locked up. I saw people like run to the next room and get a phone or take pictures of their bricked phone. And that's very weird. Mm -hmm. And it seems between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m., All the live streams stopped. The last images that I saw were of a riot cop who had a silencer on the end of his gun. And as soon as people tried to speak out about all this, the hashtag DC blackout and hashtag where are the protesters were both trending on Twitter. Dozens of accounts tweeted the exact same message about it being a hoax. Mm -hmm. It's really eerie. It's obviously the bots, but people have saved pages and pages of this copy pasted tweet some from real accounts who even responded, what the hell's going on? I didn't say that. Yeah. And it's just an example of coordination between what seems to be an exotic attack on the crowd, followed by a social media campaign to say, nope, nothing to see here. Yeah. And this is scary stuff, man. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, it's 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 equally scary to me that that the environment is being created where it appears to me culturally we're already in a de facto civil war, like it or not. And this, this people need to bear in mind is that while the actions of Mr. Globaloney are quite frankly illegal and beyond the pale, uh, and I would include you know all of these governors and mayors around the country that are locking down their population without any constitutional authority, in my opinion, to do so, uh, you know, witness witness the way they've been treating the churches. Uh, Fauci coming out and telling people don't take communion. Well, that's that. Quite frankly, is none of his damn business. But um, I'm equally skeptical and cautious about a a backlash from the political right in this country that could get out of hand real fast. I'm terribly skeptical about this move towards a military response to all of this because part of this, again, is a media-driven hysteria. And that could play into the hands of some very, uh, very bad people on, on the other side of the fence. And so that scares me. Um, <laughs> you've got wimps, I don't know any other word for it, like Senator Lindsey Graham coming out with that ridiculous video about putting Bill, uh, Bale Gates, as I like to call him, in charge of the World Health Organization. You know, um, it's just mm-hmm. everybody's jumping on all of this to, to promote their agendas. And like you, I, I say sit back and wait for the dust to settle and, and start looking through the evidence before we do anything drastic. Right. I agree. Wise words. And in terms of Gates, there have been some indications that he was going whole hog on an agenda, that he was going to be quite busy because he resigned from Microsoft and Brookshire Hathaway. And it's like, well, what were you clearing your schedule for? Now I think we know. Yeah, now now we know. And, you know, this contact tracing meme is, is playing into his whole vaccine agenda because he's taken out several patents 
to create a, a an injectable electromagnetic tracking system along with the vaccine. And, you know, when this pandemic got started, I was one of those people looking at the outbreaks of it and those outbreaks being so coincidental where they've rolled out 5G. And part of this has seemed all along to me, Greg, like there may be an electromagnetic component mm. to this virus outbreak. In other words, if you if you are putting a, a nanotechnology into people without their knowledge or consent in, inside of some sort of vaccine or other medical uh, drug that, that you need, then you can activate a virus electromagnetically, turn a switch, you know, and, and target a specific individual or population. Now, I know that sounds wild, but let's roll the clock back and remember what happened just at, as this story began to break. That was the arrest of Dr. Charles Lieber of Harvard University, head of their chemistry department. And he was arrested allegedly for not disclosing his financial relationship to the Chinese government. Well, if you look at Dr. Lieber, his specialty was precisely in nanotechnology. What was he connected to? Well, he was connected with that institution in communist China, located precisely in Wuhan, where they were doing all of this, uh, all of this study of that particular virus. And then add into that, factor into that, that has now come out that Dr. Anthony Fauci himself had been doing uh, experimentation in these types of viruses the Obama administration shut him down because of risks and so on and so forth and, and careless procedures where the virus nearly got leaked out during his administration. Well, Fauci just simply moved shop again, guess where, to Wuhan, China. Hmm. So we have all of these connections now that are coming out. Uh, apparently, Bale Gates has some sort of connection to all of, all of this going on in China. So, yeah. He cleared his schedule because he was going to be busy. And, you know, again, it's it's the fact that the numbers didn't add up. That narrative quickly started to collapse, and now people are probing into the relationship of Mr. Gates to this whole thing. So the narrative's collapsing. They need something else. Let's get everybody worked up over, over uh, an unjustifiable death, and let's drive some media hysteria about all of it. And this is why I think, People just need to remain calm and start probing and asking some penetrating questions about all of this because this, again, Greg, has all the appearance to me of another op. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm really intrigued by that potential electromagnetic component because I have heard other people talk about how the data seems to suggest that people who are hit hardest by this thing are... Actually, in a lot of cases, people who had previous vaccines or yeah. areas that are hit hardest or areas where uh, there was just a lot of people who get the yearly flu vaccine, stuff like that. Right. And when I heard that, it kind of set off a light bulb because it's got that creepy opt-in aspect mm -hmm. that we see in a lot of elite campaigns. Like you got to invite the vampire over the threshold. And you know, once you've gotten into the vaccine program and signed off on that, I guess they can do whatever they want with you. Mm -hmm. And it's also a kind of, it works both ways because I've also heard that the heavy metals that are in the vaccines, if you have a lot of that in your body, then you're made worse by entering into a high electromagnetic environment. So Absolutely. it's like they, 
gotcha both ways. You know, it's a one-two punch for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not forget that study that came out in Italy last year that examined a bunch of viruses. I, I, I know that the studies out there, people have to, to search for it, but, and I don't remember exactly what it was called, Greg, but this study of, of, it was kind of a random study of several different vaccines that were on the Italian market. And they discovered not only were there all sorts of heavy metals in these vaccines, they're also in the study. They noted that there were several indications of, of some sort of unknown nanotechnology hmm. in these vaccines. So again, it looks to me like somebody has, has taken all of that classified research that was done during the Cold War inside the Soviet Union and applied it now to commercial vaccines and possibly other drugs, GMO foods, and so on, so that they can secretly, quote-unquote, vaccinate people. And let's be honest, Greg, these are not vaccines. If, if this is going on, these are not vaccines. There's another agenda going on. But if you've got that kind of technology, you can literally turn on or turn off an entire segment of the population that has received these things if you activate certain electromagnetic tripwires. And that's what frightens me about all this, because the contact tracing aspect of this looks to me like just another way to be able to do that, number one, and number two, be able to track the effect of their of their experiment secretly, you know, without without letting people knowing what they're really up to. So, yeah, there's there's so much going on here. People really have to just kind of tune out the media hysteria and start doing some research on their own. It's so true. And you mentioned that you consider the pandemic to be cover for several different geopolitical agendas. Yes. That uh, one is to cripple China. One is to cripple Trump. You also have mentioned driving international institutions of response. And this is really interesting. It's one mm-hmm. that. I was concerned of because it seemed like most of the major countries just washed their hands of their responsibility and deferred to the CDC and WHO and one computer model that sent the whole world into chaos. It just seems a little bit one world government-y, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Drive, you know, crisis, crisis solution. You know, it's, it's the old, it's the old dialectical uh, approach to, to problem solving, create the crisis, offer the solution. And this is this is where the narrative quickly began to fall apart, because as it was getting started, you have to remember that Trump and a few other people in the medical profession were talking about hydroxychloroquine and so on and so forth. Well, immediately they had to launch a campaign about that drug having nasty side effects and so on and so forth. And it does have side effects, but the side effects statistically are so minimal as to be absurd. But they had to get rid of that narrative because that challenged the whole virus uh, get vaccinated meme that they were trying to drive. So yeah, it does have that that global one world new order creepy feel to it. But again, I think it's managed to fall apart rather quickly because all over the world you're seeing protests, you're seeing people just uh, in this country and elsewhere, defying the orders of, of their state or local authorities and, you know, going out and being with each other. And this is the other part of the objective here that I think is very important to mention, because what they've done is they've created a culture or a climate in which they want the response to be 
inhuman. In other words, don't socialize with each other, don't shake hands, rub elbows, or do whatever, you know, all this nonsense that they're pushing. But if you stop and think about it, what they're really saying is don't be naturally human. Mm -hmm. Don't go out and socialize, don't go to restaurants, don't go to coffee houses, and if you do, keep your distance from each other. Now, part of that is is striking at the very nature of what it is to be human. We are social creatures. You know, we like to be around other people. Not all the time, obviously, but we do. But the other thing that it also apparently, to my mind, indicates that these people are also in a panic because the last thing they want are people getting together and talking about what's going on. It's true. And, you know, so it, it's a, if you look at the way that they have combined several agendas or objectives, it's really been very cleverly done. And there's no doubt in my mind that this was a pandemic that was long in preparation and they decided to roll it out now and, and adjust it, you know, to take care of several other objectives that they had in mind. But there's too much planning in this and there's too much coordination in the way that all of these objectives overlap for it not to have been a plan long in the making. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very well said. It seems like they want a computer between all human interactions. Yep. That's definitely where I started to feel anxiety when yep. that first started to set in that I couldn't just go over to a buddy's house that I might be turned away that, uh, cause you know, even though we're in these positions that we're in as kind of figures who are looking at alternative stuff, a lot of our friends and family, I'm sure you feel the same, tend to think kind of conventionally once in a while, especially right. in a panic mode. Right. So I saw my inner circle get pretty torn apart by everyone's different opinions. And uh, if your friends are scared of you, they're scared of you. If they think you're contagious, it's very hard to convince them that seeing you is not a risk. Right, right, exactly. You know, I'm as you know, I'm a smoker. <laughs> you know, I, I smoke I smoke like a locomotive, mm -hmm. and you know, I I get lots of grief for that from from the 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 nanny state crowd. You know, well, you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you know, I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to live my life in fear of of saccharin or tobacco or cholesterol or all this other stuff that they you know they drive constant fear to people. But one of the most, to me, ironically interesting and amusing aspects about this whole pandemic was that French study that came out and said, well, smokers are four times less likely <laughs> to contract this virus. That's so, you know, I'm like, light them up if you got them, if you got them, folks. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, it, it was very interesting. You know, they're, they're prescribing nicotine patches over in France for people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, come on, folks, just go out and buy a pack of Goulois, you know, and, yes. <laughs> and light up. <laughs> but anyway. Well, in terms of little interesting details, because a lot of times that's how you can try to figure out what the hell's going on. Right. One I saw that I'm curious what you think about is this detail that coronavirus survivors are apparently banned from joining the military. What would that possibly be about? Well, yeah, that detail really, really caught my eye, too. And I'll tell you what my thinking was and is about that detail. That detail indicates to me that there's an aspect to this whole story that we are not being told 
and it could it could have to deal with with the fact that there's evidence coming out now that makes it look like this virus has every indication of being deliberately engineered but the question is by whom and for what purpose if they're locking down the military then that means there's some reason that they suspect that there's some other agenda going on i mean the virus spreads very easily and quickly but it doesn't seem to in have the infection rate that people would want unless let's go back to my speculation here that this might be some sort of bioelectromagnetic combined technology that you can activate in a certain population with the flip of a switch well if the military is is thinking in those terms then it would be a logical step for them to take and that means by the same token that whoever has been behind this agenda it's not uh the usa it may be a, a rogue faction within the government you know i certainly don't discount that but by and large it means that the deep state here in this country is suspecting something else and that to me is very very suspicious i'm even i'll, I'll crawl right off the end of the twig of speculation here i'm even willing to speculate that maybe this virus was engineered for an entirely different purpose not having so much to do with geopolitics but rather a kind of uh, interplanetary geopolitics because the other odd detail that emerged during this whole pandemic thing was the fact that the European Space Agency aka the German Space Agency was preparing to launch a a probe a, a landing probe to the planet Mars and they tabled the schedule of that launch for the reason that they of the coronavirus outbreak and i'm thinking well gee whiz you know what are you are you afraid of spreading the coronavirus to mars and if so to whom <laughs> you know uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know there's like you say there's these odd details about this story that that fell right off the radar that to me indicate that there's much more about this story we're not being told Amen. And interplanetary. I mean, now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, and exactly. It's it's not that super crazy because we have talked in the past about hybrid programs going on, a lot of shadow operations, mm -hmm. obviously the secret space program, and there possibly being some off-world elements to the elite. And we've also talked about bioweapons and vaccines that could be engineered to target specific populations. and Maybe those things go together. There definitely was elements of a DNA collection program in all this, especially in the testing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that. Again, Greg, this is the other part that makes me very suspicious about this whole thing is it, they were using this not only to drive the tracking and tracing, they were using this as a means of, of collecting DNA samples. Well, why? What are they really looking for? Is is a part of this virus operation to determine which uh, which components of the human genome were more susceptible as indicators of a population being more susceptible to the virus? That could definitely be a part of it. But again, why such a massive DNA collection effort tied with it? And I have to wonder if the virus 
may have been a cover story to accomplish several different agendas, one of them being to collect DNA. And why would they be doing that? Well, I've always entertained the hypothesis that maybe they're looking for some sort of outlier population within the human population. Who knows? I don't know. Right. Well, we've talked many times about abductees, and when you're trying to parse that data, there does seem to be some indications of genetic linkage. Sure. Uh, whether it's multi-generational or just the yep, same absolutely. family seems to be involved. It's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. And again, we have to ask ourselves why. What, what or rather, who are they looking for? You know, and if if you if you take the the speculation that that some of these ancient texts including you know the uh the the nephilim text in in genesis if you take those texts seriously that there was some sort of of human looking population that came to this planet and interbred with with uh local homo sapiens sapiens then yeah the only way you would be able to to find a population like that if it's still around, was genetically and perhaps behaviorally, as I wrote in my blog a couple of days ago. But the genetic aspect would be would be the absolute final determinant. So you know, again, they, it appears to me, Greg, that they've carefully contrived a an operation here to accomplish several objectives, under the cloak of which they could do virtually anything in terms of secret agendas, and this may be one of them. Hmm. Another layer to this that I wanted to bring up is schooling, because <laughs> that's another pie that Ball Gates has his fingers in. Yep. And we've talked about your great book, Rotten to the Common Core, in the past, the technocratic machinations to co-opt education and reduce teachers to software administrators. Yep. And this agenda was furthered quite a bit by the coronavirus chaos, right? Yeah, fancy that. Fancy that, how that worked out. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, this business of shutting down schools and having distance learning, you know, this this was put into place very quickly in California. And it happened a, a couple of weeks later in my state. And, you know, it, it made me wonder, okay, is is this yet another part of the objective? You know, push this this ridiculous meme of of social distancing to the point that you use it as a means of shutting down or targeting or accomplishing by other methods what has already failed by the direct approach to put common core into place and and reduce the teaching profession itself to, you know, proctors of exams and the real teacher in the classroom is is the dang computer screen. Well, you know, that's worked out so well for us. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've we've got a country right now where where the graduates of, of the public school system are are functionally idiots. So, you know, um I I have to wonder if this was yet another objective. And it looks to me like it was. And again, like you say, Bale Gates had his hands all over Common Core. So, you know, this this is the guy that designed one of the most virus-ridden software platforms in the world, and he's now telling us, well, I know how to fix real viruses. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it is intense, so all the things that they're throwing at us, but I guess the silver lining would be that they're throwing so much at us because these things aren't sticking. They're starting to get indications like, oh, shit, we got to get the next thing out, the next thing out. 
Right, right. That's a good thing. But what's bothering me is how George Soros and Bill Gates and a lot of these people are talking about the new normal and equating this mm-hmm. to something permanent. And that is very alarming because a lot of these new restrictions, they don't go away once they're in place. We still take our shoes off at the airport, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, this is I, I'm with you there. This is the part of it that bothers me the most is is this driving of the meme, the new normal. And folks, I, I have to tell you, if if you buy into that, you are you are buying into uh, the wholesale transformation of of this country and 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 of Western culture itself. And I again, if if the numbers were wrong, if the models were wrong. Why then should we acquiesce in in this whole idea of there being a new normal? The only normal that I'm interested in seeing is the normal that, that pre-existed 9-11, or for that matter, let's point where the real problems began, the normal that pre-existed the, the murder of JFK. Because this has all been one long arc of history of these people that essentially staged a coup d'etat and have been playing and and using the federal government and other governments around the world as essentially criminal institutions. It's time to stop it. And the only way to stop it is just say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and that was going to be one of my questions for you, is obviously we know Bail Gates and Anthony Fauci and George Soros, those are the big names in all this, but have you parsed anything from their background that suggests that they are part of this larger network that does go back to this day or touches on the fascist international as you've written about before? Well, you need look no farther than the policies they promote right? to see that, that what they're promoting is essentially a form of, of fascism or uh, the, the radical left version thereof. You know, to my mind, there's very little difference between fascism and communism. Uh, particularly if you look at, at the way Stalin practiced communism. It was basically national Bolshevism. But um, you need look no farther than that. But what intrigues me is the fact that you do have all of these interconnections in terms of business, in terms of professional associations, in terms of, you know, Bill Gates and, and, and Warren Buffett and George Soros showing up at the same conferences and so on and so forth. That should tell you something about these people and what they're up to. And I, I have to say, Greg, I was delighted to hear that President Trump was thinking about putting Antifa on the domestic terrorism list hmm. because that's essentially what that organization is. It's a, it's a subversive organization in every classical you know, sense of the word, and it's high time that we started dealing with these non-governmental entities that are promoting violence and so on and so forth in that way. And holding them and their their financial donors responsible before the law. I agree with you. And that was going to be another question is, what are your thoughts about Trump's response through this whole situation? I mean, in the beginning, he was kind of saying this was going to be a nothing burger. And then that other side screamed so loud it couldn't be ignored. Mm-hmm. And some interesting things have happened that suggest that there is a tug of war going on. They're not exactly on the same page, but then there's other things that kind of have creeped me out. And obviously now we're at a point where 
the military's being suggested mm-hmm. that it could be marching the streets and martial law and curfews mm-hmm. and you know maybe it is for our own good anyone would tell us that but i don't like it and i'm curious what do you think about trump's response through this crisis well this this i'm glad you asked the question because quite frankly i have been um terribly disappointed in his response to this and for the following reason uh i was a reluctant supporter of him in the 2016 campaign uh in fact people should know that beginning with with ghw bush i i just quit voting altogether because you know i i just thought that the system is too fixed but in that last election, I thought, you know, this this is it. We we can either have Darth Hillary in the presidency, which I, I think would have been an absolute disaster. If you think it's bad now, I think it would have been much, much worse with her. So to me, it was kind of vote for the lesser of two evils type of proposition. But as as his administration came under such a gale of opposition from media orchestrated impeachment campaigns and all the nonsense that we've seen and the egregious double standard in the application of law in this country that it all revealed i became much more of of a vocal supporter but then this corona uh, pandemic occurred and i just i i frankly was mystified that all of a sudden he looked like he had been defanged you know, I think that one of the whole purposes of, of this social distancing campaign was to shut down his rallies, hmm. you know, which were which were a major component of his his election strategy in 2016. And we're looking like they were a major component for his election strategy for this year. So I was I was very disheartened to see him putting these people like Burks and Fauci center stage and playing along with this narrative. And to this day, I can't figure out why he's done that. And this whole martial law thing, it could easily be a, a, a an operation where they've tried to back him into a corner precisely so that he will impose a, a military solution to all of this. I don't know. Uh, we're seeing more pushback from him now, you know, in, in subtle ways with the admission that, yeah, he's been taking chloroquine as a as a prophylactic and so on and so forth but uh there has not been an attempt to challenge directly the narrative in any major way so i'm a bit disappointed you know i'm i'm kind of holding my breath waiting to see how he responds to everything that's you know going to happen between now and election day and again the election itself is I think a major target of this operation in that, as I say, I think we're already in a kind of de facto uh, civil war of a cultural type. And the nation is so badly divided that regardless of who wins on election day this year, the other side is going to be absolutely ballistic. <laughs> yes. So, you know, um, it's it's we're in a we're in a real cultural crisis so it's going to be very interesting to see how he handles all of this yes well said and i definitely don't subscribe to the q stuff but i understand the desire to cheer him on out of spite when you see all that stuff and you see that onslaught 
that's been thrown at him. But right. I had those hopes in the back of my mind that maybe something connected to his uncle would come up or unleashing Tesla technologies. And maybe that's what the Space Force was about. And I guess there's an argument that he's been so on the defensive that that stuff can't crack through. But I don't see why you couldn't do two things at one time if you really, really wanted to. Right. Well, yeah, this this is, you know, the problem. The problem here is that he came into office without much of a network. He was very much like JFK in that respect. And he set about the goal of trying to drain the swamp. Well, you know, we're seeing where a lot of the swamp lies. It lies in in the healthcare and big pharma uh, mercantilist policies of the government to begin with. So there's a lot of vested interests there that are in play behind this whole this whole virus narrative. And I think, in a certain sense, he was he was blindsided by that. They they managed to wrong foot him for a moment. So again, we're going to have to wait and see how all this plays out. But um, it's important, I think, for people to understand that the power rests with them and that they have the power to say no to all of these things. And the more people that say no and, and refuse vaccination, even at, you know, if the government tries to force it on people, it's going to be another, it's going to be another case of prohibition that eventually, you know, that, that whole thing collapsed because there were just too many people saying no. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've been trying to say that as well. Like we hyperanalyze these plans and they sound so scary. And I always try to follow up with, but look, the plan is just the plan. It's right. not set in stone. And right. you give them too much power to just assume that they're going to get everything they want. I mean, you do have some say, especially in what goes into your own body. Right. But I do agree with you that it seems like the election cycle is going to be just this time on steroids it's only going to get crazier and i already see the writing on the wall that it seems like these protests you hear the mainstream news commentators saying well gee are we going to have a second wave of covid because of these protesters and then look you can demonize the people who are really out there trying to fight for justice right it's their fault right exactly exactly and again i'm glad you raised this because it's important to understand that number one, the media is, is very much a part of this operation. I've been dumbfounded by how certain uh, hosts on the Fox news network, for example, <coughs> pardon me, have all of a sudden lost their, their spine and are going along with the narrative. And to me, it, it, it signals that this is, that the media campaign is the essential component of all of this operation. And we have to go back to the fact that the CIA's operation Mockingbird back in the 1950s and sixties was tremendously successful in placing operatives in the media. So it should not come as any surprise to us that, that the media is driving these memes because again, they're setting us up for round two. So when it, round two happens, don't be surprised, you know, and be prepared and be prepared to, to say no and, and to start to pick apart the narrative. Because again, it will be a narrative. It will be a narrative. Right. And that is also another thing that just drives me crazy is if you ask the common person, just the average guy, 
The politicians and the media lie to you. They'll say yes, but then you try to dig down into details or specific cases. And well, they're like, well, not on that, not on 9-11, not on this, not on that. And then in this situation, now their ratings are higher than ever. Everyone I know is watching some kind of mainstream news. They want to know what's going on. And there's yeah. only one source because any alternative sources online, they're also getting censored. Yep. Everybody's getting fact-checked. And it's just so sick. I mean, I, I didn't know it was going to be here so soon. Well, again, this if you look at it as an op, prior to this, the the mainstream media was losing viewership right and left. Right. They were they were tanking. So again, how do you revive their flagging their flagging industry? Well, you create an operation and get everybody to tune in to them pushing their narrative. And like you, I'm extremely suspicious about the whole thing because you're only hearing one medical narrative. You are not hearing anybody on any of those those propotainment media sources that are interviewing Dr. Mikovits, you know, who's questioned this whole thing. You're not hearing anybody interviewing the French physician who is a Nobel laureate that's questioning this whole thing. And that, to me, again, says that this was an operation in part designed to to bolster those flagging media those flagging media industries but again even that narrative is collapsing now under pressure so i think people are they just have to understand that those institutions are hollowed out from within and they have to do their own research and compare sources within the medical profession that are challenging this whole thing. Remember those two doctors in California that came out and did their YouTube video and just ran the numbers that they were seeing by people and said, no, this, this, this does not add up to a pandemic. Well, the next thing you know, YouTube is trying to censor their videos. So yeah, go out there, do your own research. Don't believe, you know, sadly we're in the position where you have to assume that you're being lied to. You know, it's it's time for Americans to wake up. You're living in kind of a watered-down version of the Soviet Union, where the only sources of the news are TASS and Pravda. And, you know, the Russians learned how to read between the lines. Well, we're going to have to do the same thing. We're going to have to assume we're being lied to and go out and do our own research. Yes. Wow. Well, hard to segue away from that one, but uh, we are getting <laughs> near the end of the road. And uh, I want to at least let you say a few words about the latest book, The Tower of Babel Moment. We have talked about this topic before, but it is great that you put it all down in this book. People may want to dive into your latest work. What's the elevator pitch for this one? What's the thesis here? Well, basically, it's a book I had been intending to write for a long time. It is on Lulu, but I've been informed for some reason Lulu's search engine is not showing the book. So you have to go to my website on the front page and, and scroll down a bit and click on the book cover, which should take you to the Lulu page. Uh, but it's a book, really, I intended to write for a very long time. You know, I, it was in the back of my mind all the way back when I uh, wrote the Giza Death Star Deployed. And it was in the back of my mind, you know, to include Tower of Babel uh, in in the cosmic war and again in grid of the gods but i thought in each of those three cases it really deserved a treatment of its own so 
it comes down to nothing more than that during this this lockdown i thought well now's the time for me to do this book so it was it was literally a book written you know as a crisis of opportunity i'd been intending to write it for a long time and i just thought well i'm now or, it's now or never you know i've got the time <laughs> so mm-hmm. so i did but the premise is the premise is um kind of complicated but uh it boils down to an examination of the Tower of Babel story as being something kind of unique in terms of Old Testament divine interventions. Because when you read the story itself, it doesn't say that God is intervening to stop a sinful uh, activity of mankind, as is often the case in the Old Testament. Uh, What it says is, we've got to go down there and stop this, otherwise they will not be restrained from doing whatever they imagine to do, (laughs) which is quite a difference quite a different statement than, you know, humans are at their sin again, and we've got to go down and knock their heads together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it examines it from that point of view. And it also examines the whole story of the confusion of languages from the standpoint of, of modern linguistics and how modern linguistics attempts to classify human language families and how it goes about handling matters of phonetic or semantic drift and and so on and so forth and when you put it all together it it sums up to that linguists are really talking about a kind of monogenesis of human language in other words they're talking about a tower of babel moment although they never come out and use those words so there's a lot in the book it's it's a fun book um i've had some good responses to it so far right on yeah sounds awesome and I commend your work ethic. The whole world stopped and my social life fell through the floor and I still can't manage to do the writing that I planned for 2020. And yeah. <laughs> all the excuses that's, I thought I had went that's away. That's in a nutshell right there. <laughs> yep. And as I try to bring this thing full circle and because of how the show is split, we might repeat ourselves here, but lately some of my mentors have been reminding me to not get caught up in every little detail of what's going on right now. Don't Follow the script. Don't get led around by it, but instead get ahead of it or just do something different. And a lot of people are confused, frustrated, restless right now, et cetera, et cetera. What advice do you have for them and how to handle this? If there's no going back, then how can we best live well going forward? Well, I would say that there's no going back because really there's no need to. That that whole narrative is a narrative. So it's not it's not a matter of of going back. It's a matter of waking up and realizing that really nothing changed with this whole uh, pandemic hysteria narrative. That it is a narrative. It is a virtual reality. So wake up and and go back to normal and live your normal life like you always did. Just be a little wiser about the fact that you know it is a narrative being pushed and you know, whatever choices you make in response to that narrative, you know, I'm not telling people don't wear masks or wear masks. You know, that's up to the individual because that's normal. It's that individual response to this. That is normal. (laughs) It's, it's the people that want to collectivize you and say, you have to do this. That's not normal and start challenging it. You know, uh, what I would like to see happen is, you know, my my fantasy is that there will be a lawyers association or something formed 
that will start raising money and going after all of these governors and mayors enforcing these totally unconstitutional provisions and take them to court and sue them. Or if your state has recalls, recall these these people. I was about to use a word probably prohibited on your show, <laughs> but um, recall these people and throw them out of office. In other words, say no and let them know that you're saying no. Mm-hmm. Same thing with with you churches that caved. Right. You know, take these people to court and and say that they have no jurisdiction on what happens in your church door. <laughs> it's true, and I've also seen a lot of clips of police assaulting media lately, even international media. I saw yep. a woman from Australia get assaulted. It's like there's another hotbed of lawsuits that could maybe put yep. some of these police departments in check. Yep, take them to court, sue them, right. And you lawyers, it's time to step up. Mm -hmm. It's time to step up. Otherwise, if you allow things to continue, you won't have a law practice to practice because there will be no law. Mm. Well said. Yeah, it's time to act. And it's important to remember we are in the middle of a story, not the end of a story. So, you know, we do have some flexibility as to how it turns out. But man, you are one of the greats. I always appreciate your insights. Everything's gotten quite real lately. So you are more appreciated than ever. Keysadeathstar.com is the website. Anything else to add before I cut you loose? No, that's that's pretty much it on my end, Greg. But thank you for having me back on. Of course. My pleasure. Stay safe out there. Yep, you too. Oh, that nefarious narrative, people. Do not buy into it. It'll drive you mad. But wow, things are just happening so fast. It's hard to keep up. I'm constantly saying in these situations that THC is not the fastest show to come out. I don't just slap on the intro and put it out there. And I currently have our editor working on a different episode, so I thought, screw it. I'm going to go from recording right into editing myself, and I'll get this one out a bit quicker because it is a high-priority issue. It's funny because I go back and forth between trying to stay relevant and also being fatigued by current events and trying to give you something else that's interesting, but maybe let you take a break from the heaviness of all this stuff. But then something new happens and I think, well, I got to do a show about this. It's weird to not mention it when martial law is basically being enacted, but that just causes me to add more shows to the schedule. And I end up doing twice as much work, but, you know, poor me. (laughs) But obviously, I could never know this George Floyd situation was going to happen. But I have been trying to make sure that I have some of our go-to guests peppered throughout the schedule for this exact reason. And I do just want to maybe re-clarify my position while I'm not taking up our guests' time. It's long overdue for citizens to stand up to police brutality And it's definitely overdue for the black community to mobilize as well. I am with all that. But I still ask, why now? Why didn't any of the other police brutality videos bubble up to this level? I see too much coordination and too much fulfillment of the same objectives, just like Dr. Farrell said. And honestly, we don't talk about issues affecting specifically the black community very often, though I do get emails from non-white listeners who really appreciate the general tone of THC and feeling like it is for everyone, as opposed to, like, 
the Alex Jones show or something like that. And those comments do mean a lot to me. But I am trying to throw a few civil rights academics on our schedule, and they might not see anything fishy with the George Floyd situation at all, and I can overlook that because I would focus more on the big picture in interviews like that. The history. I mean, we did talk a little bit about it in the Flint Water Crisis show with the great Anna Clark. We talked about it a bit with Ross Ben and the conversation about Chocolate City and the history there. I would even say the show with Daniel Emerwar about his book, How to Hide an Empire, was trying to highlight how the big machine uses these outside territories as testing labs for vaccines and big pharma, using these people as guinea pigs. But there's a lot more to say about the uphill battle black Americans have had to climb whether it's getting loans, the fact that health insurance is tied to our jobs, or the fact that the quality of a community's education is tied to the property taxes in the area. It's not to say things aren't hard for everyone, but there are many elements of that suppressed history that most people are unaware of, like how connected policing in America is to the management of black people post-Civil War. Kind of like with the virus thing, I've gone down a few rabbit holes in the history of policing that have surprised me quite a bit too. But none of that changes the fact that I don't think this round of protests is organic. I think they're specifically trying to make this look dangerous and violent, even though it's not really coming off that way if you pay close attention. You can't control everyone, no doubt, and New York City is also a bit of a special case. But most violence I've seen is from police on people who are not doing much. And then also from people who look like they're infiltrators or agent provocateurs. And the bricks obviously are there to tempt people. But I think even the mask wearing is something that veers towards that thought of, well, maybe I can get away with something here. It's just another temptation. But I do think most of it is infiltrators or people who don't really care about the issue at hand. At least that's what I've seen so far. When you're talking about so many people in so many cities and so many different cases, it's obviously more than one thing, but these are the threads I'm following. I've also seen a lot of heartwarming stuff. Police chiefs taking a knee with the protesters, big hugs between both sides despite the tension and the coronavirus thing. And that's the best weapon we have, really. Love and unity. Cheesy as it sounds. The elite don't know how to respond to that because they don't have it. So don't let them poison your mind that these people in the streets are mostly violent. They aren't. And when a second wave of COVID comes this fall, don't let them be scapegoated. Because I'm sure the news media would love to be able to pump in more fear and then say, well, geez, thanks, black people. Look what you did now. The virus is back. I mean, where has Bale Gates been doing his vaccine experimentation and research for the last few decades? Africa, of course. But really, just do your own research on the George Floyd situation. There's a lot of people pointing out that it seems like he has a big order out of chaos, double-headed Masonic eagle tattoo on his chest. Maybe that's photoshopped. Maybe that's easy to fake. I don't know. But I keep that in my head, along with him and the cop working together at the same place, 
read up on the El Nuevo Rodeo Cantina and what is being reported about its ownership and history. I've also seen mere images of police with their knees on a person's neck from Hong Kong and Israel, maybe trying to spawn uprisings all over using the same motif. Again, it doesn't change the fact that it's sick. But there's also so, so, so many examples of black Americans being killed by cops that don't have fishy histories and didn't commit any crime at all, even a seemingly petty one. So try to highlight those instead. But this conversation definitely helped me calm down a little bit. I really, really appreciate it. And I think most of you will agree with me on that. But that said, I do feel like I could use a break. And next week is when I was supposed to be going on an ayahuasca retreat to the Amazon. Obviously, that's not happening. But I do have a friend coming in town to stay with me. And I'm just going to use that time to take a break from the computer, get away from the screens, and enjoy the company of an old friend who's not worried about the whole virus narrative. And I think it's going to be just the right kind of medicine for me, probably both of us. So. I'm just saying this because I don't want people to start thinking something is wrong if you don't hear from me for a week. It's all good. And I hope that you're all paying attention to your own mental health, too. Things are moving so fast, it's hard to catch our breath. No pun intended. But honestly, big groups of people feeling the same kind of pressure out there wearing medical masks, chanting, I can't breathe. Symbolically, it's a little strange to me. And how quickly the true reasoning for contact tracing came out, right? Another big red flag. But again, much-needed analysis from the great Joseph Farrell. If you didn't hear the second hour, you really, really should. So many little threads and details that I found super interesting. And we saved some time for the really epic and fun stuff that he's covered recently, too. We talked about elements of the coronavirus thing that you might have heard before. We talked about COVID-19's 40th parallel problem, food concerns and lab-grown meat, the alchemical attempt to reascend the ladder, one of my favorite parts, financial and economic goings-on around the globe, dissecting Q, strategies for our time, the Space Force budget, double body blows from Germany's constitutional court, the multidimensional gateway in Antarctica, and what THC would be complete without a little conversation about intelligent plasma. But man, he had some great stuff to say about that. It's time to be a Plus member. Come on into the inner circle. Connect with like-minded locals on the forum. The forum part of a THC Plus membership is forever. So remember that if you were a previous member or if you're a new one. And it's there for times like this. Make sure you're using that as a good tool to find each other and to help each other get what we need. You heard my freezer story. I think that was in the first hour. I can't remember. But there are no chest freezers available in a 200-mile radius of San Diego. I'm just saying I think we need to be prepared for things to ramp up, and it'd be nice to have a network. Either way, I love you guys. I want to help. I empathize with the difficult situations that I'm hearing about right now. It's hard to even ask people to take on a plus membership. 
But if we're being honest with ourselves, I think we spend a lot more than $8 on things that don't serve us well. So maybe it's not too much to ask. I mean, it's my livelihood. I gotta ask. But hopefully you see that I do care about more than just your $8. I hope you see that I am working hard and that I take my responsibility pretty seriously. What else can I say? Take care. Always investigate the counter-narratives before you buy the mainstream one hook, line, and sinker. And build the world you want to see. Act. Don't just react. Much love. I've done my part. Your move, Mr. Globaloni Goons, writers of the mainstream narrative, and agents of the Bale and Malicious Gates Foundation. Your fucking move. This is important. Hear what I said. I'm trying to tell you. It's not paranoia, not in my head It's just the hard truth Knocked on your door while I still can To ask you a question Cause I know your head is still in the sand Don't be sheep till you slaughter for the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed, but you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you see that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung food? Can't you just admit we're screwed? I'm gonna tell you this anyway It's a scary dark world Did you get the memo? Can't you say that we're 